Hello, hello, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, federal employees. My name is Dallin Hawes, financial planner, serving you as federal employees and giving you the answers that you need to retire confident and have an incredible career and retirement, get the most out of your benefits, all that jazz that we talk about every week. So today is another questions and answers. And when I was preparing, writing down ideas for, for um, the following videos, all these things, Right, right when I was in the middle of that, I got an email with two incredibly good questions. So I said, hey, boom, we're done planning. There's some great questions to talk about. So without further ado, let's jump right in. The first question says, hey, thank you for your article on taxes on FERS retirement. You're very welcome. There was one item listed under more reductions that I don't quite understand. It says penalties for not retiring with an immediate Retirement. What does this mean? Thank you. Okay, great question. So I've written many articles about taxes, about reductions to your pension, all that good jazz. If you want to learn more about it, I've had videos on that. I have a bunch of stuff on this is your gross pension, what actually comes out of that before you can actually see it. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. But what she's referring to is a MRA plus 10 retirement, okay? MRA plus 10 retirement. The MRA stands for minimum retirement age. So for you traditional FERS, not the law enforcement officers, not the air traffic controllers, not people under the special provisions, this is for traditional FERS, to retire with an immediate retirement, you have to at your minimum retirement age, which is between 56 and 57 for most FERS, at your minimum retirement age, you have to have at least 30 years of service to retire with an immediate retirement. There's, if you're at 60 or 62, there's different rules. But at, at your minimum retirement age, you have to have at least 30 years of service to retire with immediate retirement, which basically means you get your pension right away, you can you know, keep your, your FEHB, there's a number of perks for an immediate retirement. But if, okay, let me put it this way. You actually can retire at your minimum retirement age if you have at least 10 years of service. You are able to retire. It's just under a different rules set, okay? And that this retirement is called MRA plus 10. So basically, if you meet your minimum retirement age and you have at least 10 years of, of service, you can retire, but there's a huge reduction that happens. So basically, for every year that you retire with this retirement, this specific retirement, MRA plus 10, for every year you retire before age 60 or 62, depending on how many years you have, you're going to have a 5% reduction to your pension, okay? So let's say you have 10 years of service, okay? 10. And you retire at 57. That's five years before age 62, okay? And age 62, would be the earliest that you'd be, be able to retire with an immediate retirement. That's why it's 62, okay? So that's five years. Meaning, so for every year before age 62, if you retire with an MRA plus 10, that is 5% reduction. So five times 5% five, 5 is 25% reduction to your pension that happens by retiring with an MRA plus 10 retirement at 57. So that is dramatic. Now. Some people ask, hey, okay, do I take the hit for those five years? And then once I hit 62, does it pop up to the normal amount? And the answer is no. That is a permanent 
reduction that happens because of you retiring early, okay? You do you can get a pension right away, but again, there is that big reduction. So that is answering this this um, lady's this this lady's question of what is this penalty that you're talking about for not retiring with an immediate retirement. And this penalty only comes into play if you retire at your minimum retirement age with less than 30 years of service. You're eligible to retire, just not with an immediate retirement. The rules are a little different. So that's a great question. Let's go to question number two. Question number two, it says, hello, Mr. Haas. I really appreciate you and the information that you share regarding federal retirement. You're very welcome. I'm about five years away from the earliest retirement date of 2026. As you know, there are many factors to consider to prepare for a successful and comfortable retirement. Yes. With that said, I wonder about your option or your opinion regarding the survivor benefit and what makes more sense on whether to take the 50% or 25% option for my wife and ultimately the best benefit for my family in estate planning. More specifically, do you feel there's a time and strategy, uh, let's see, a time and strategy to choose a 25% option and reinvest the difference? I realize that a lot of it has to do with uh, how you invest in the TSP and other things um, that are a factor as well. Do you think there's a good argument for choosing 25% over 50% if you plan to invest for spouse and family ultimately? Okay, this is a good question. It's a good question. Basically, the question, if you break it all down, is there's two options for survivor benefit. Well, there's three. There's three options for survivor benefits for your pension. When you retire, you can pick how much of your pension you, you'd like your spouse to have if you pass away. Now, there's a, pay, a, a penalty or a payment that you have to pay for each option. So basically, what he's saying is, hey, if I don't give my spouse the full benefit, which is 50% of your pension, if I only give her 25%, which is of course half um, the normal full, full um, survivor benefit, if I only give her 25% and reinvest the difference because his pension's reduced less because he's taking a less survivor benefit, if he reinvests that difference, would he be better off over the long haul or would his wife be better off over the long haul if he just takes that money and reinvests it himself? That's a great question. And it's hard to answer it when it comes to straight dollars and cents. Because, I mean, ideally, if this federal employee and his spouse lived to, they both lived to 95, and they both died at the exact same time, then there's no need for a survivor benefit, right? Because the federal employee did not pass away first, right? But let's say the federal employee passes away next year, a year into retirement. Well, the spouse is going to have many, many, many years on their own in retirement where a survivor benefit can make a huge, huge difference, right? And so my opinion on this question of should you take the 50% or 25% and reinvest it, it depends on what your, your spouse's needs are. If you run the math and say, hey, actually my spouse definitely needs the 50%, um, then I would probably consider just getting the 50% and not messing with the idea of taking the 25% and reinvesting the difference. And, and because the latter is, is just a riskier option, if you were to pass away earlier than, earlier than you expect, right, which probably won't happen, but if you did, then you wouldn't have had many years to reinvest that difference and your spouse is gonna take that hit. But if you run the numbers and say, hey, 
my wife probably doesn't need the 50%. Well then, yeah, maybe take just the 25% to make sure they can keep their health benefits, but then maybe, yeah, maybe take the difference and invest it so they have a pot of money if you did pass away at some point. So something to think about, but again, there's no way to know how long each of you are going to live. There's no way to know how well your investments are gonna do if you do reinvest the difference. There's a lot of these variables that you kinda of take the risk for when you say, hey, I'm going to reinvest the difference and take the 25%. So it all comes down to what does your spouse need and then what's the best way and the most confident way that you can provide that for her or him, right? Because you definitely want to make sure they have their basic needs taken care of and then above and beyond that, if you wanna invest things, that's, that's great, I think that's awesome. But as long as they have their, their basic needs taken care of, that is the most important thing. So those are the two questions for this, this episode. And I hope that was valuable for you because I am sure if these two federal employees had these questions, I'm sure hundreds if not thousands of other federal employees have them as well. So if you have any questions, feel free to put them in the comments below. I go over the comments about every week. And so I will collect a lot of the questions that I see and you may be featured on the next questions and answers. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time.